Amen. Amen. Hey, can we give just the band um, a round of applause for serving this morning? Yeah, thank you guys. Thank you for leading us in worship. It's, um, it's, it's tough to serve on a holiday weekend, and so um, sacrifice time with family, and so just we really appreciate you guys. Thank you. So hello, my name is Austin, and I get the opportunity here at Waypoint to work with the middle schoolers, and occasionally I get the opportunity to get up here and speak to you all, so um, that's today, that's this morning. But before we go any further, I just want to pray, um, I'd like to, to center, pray again, let's center ourselves, uh, well, myself here, um, and just uh, get ready for this. So, Lord, we thank you, God, for this morning, and I thank you for this day and this opportunity, Lord, to praise you with our song, uh, with our worship. Uh, God, we hope that it honored you. Uh, thank you for choosing us to meet, or choosing to meet us wherever we are at, Lord. Um, in whatever we are going through, God, you say that whoever comes to you, you will never drive away. Lord, you say whoever Whoever comes to you will never go hungry. You say, whoever comes to you will never go thirsty. God, help us to trust that and to believe in that this morning. It's in your name, Jesus. Amen. All right, I hope, I hope you all had a wonderful Thanksgiving holiday. Um, is anyone here still eating leftovers? Anybody? Still got some leftovers going? You, Scott, you do? Okay. When Thanksgiving just keeps on giving. Am I right? Yeah, that's the good stuff. I love Thanksgiving. Um, the delicious food, right? There's, there's football on. If you like watching football, there's, if you play cards or board games, you know you, you're playing games. You've got family. You, there's pies. Pies? Okay. Definitely naps these days, like that's, that's, as the older I get, the more important those become. Um, but those are just some of the things that I have come to expect over the years on Thanksgiving. I did not, however, this Thanksgiving, expect to wake up to my dog vomiting. <laughs> and if you know what that sounds like, no, there is nothing in the world that wakes you up faster than that, okay? Like you are out of bed, you're ready to go, right? So I did not expect that. I also did not expect to sprain my ankle playing flag football, so that was fun. Um, and I definitely didn't expect my oven to quit working on Thanksgiving. Like, just the lat, really? And in fact, feeling thankful, or should I say, not feeling thankful was the last thing I expected this Thanksgiving. You see, whether we admit it or not, we all have expectations. We all have these things that we expect, and maybe not as much for Thanksgiving or for the holidays, but definitely in our lives, right? Ex expectations for our children, expectations for our parents, for school, for our jobs, for Jesus even. Okay, and so when things are going well in our lives and our circumstances are meeting our expectations, we're thankful, right? We're thankful. But when they're not, feeling thankful can be really difficult. And that's because feeling thankful is just that, a feeling. 
It's the feeling of being pleased or relieved. And just like any other feeling, it's fickle and it's fleeting. And that's because feeling thankful is a reaction to the outcome of our circumstances. That's what feeling thankful is. Should we feel thankful and want to feel thankful? Absolutely. Absolutely. But what I'm asking us to consider today is what do we do when we don't feel thankful? And what do we do when there is a gap between our expectations and our circumstances? What do we do? Are you with me? Everybody with me this morning? Still in the food coma? Okay. Me too. All right. So um, we're going to dive into our Bible. So I invite you to open, um, open your Bible with me to John chapter 6, if you've got it. If you've got it on your phone, that's great too. Um, and we're going to be picking up on verse 25. But before I start reading, um, I just want to point out a few things first that I think are helpful for us to understand before we get going, okay? So the first being um, is that in John 6, 4, we, we read that the Passover is near. And Passover is this festival that celebrates Israel's exodus, their deliverance from slavery and oppression in Egypt. And because Israel is now under the boot of Rome, now it's not only that they celebrate, but they also come together in Jerusalem for this festival to also anticipate and plea with God for, for a new exodus from Rome. Okay, so you've got that. You've got that idea in the forefront of their minds right now. Okay, so then Jesus feeds the 5,000. Okay, we, most of us know that story. Okay, which is actually kind of a fun fact. In, in the 5,000, it was just men. We read it was just men. So that didn't include women and children. This could have been like upwards of 10,000 people that Jesus just fed. Okay, and so after Jesus feeds this crowd, this large crowd, um, we read here that this crowd of people in John 6, 14, they see Jesus as this prophet who fulfills the prediction of a prophet like Moses, who was promised in Deuteronomy 18.15 when Moses says, the Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from, uh, from among you, from your brothers. It is him you shall listen. It is to him you shall listen. So they're anticipating this crowd, these people, Passover's in the forefront of their mind, right? They're anticipating this exodus, and they're anticipating not only that, but the second Moses-like prophet who's going to come and lead this new exodus. And this crowd believes Jesus is this person. And that's why in the very next verse here, we see in John 6, 15, they say they decide, the crowd decides that they're going to take Jesus by force and make him king. Okay, and so Jesus, knowing this, right, he decides, like, no, I'm going to get out of here. And so this is because this crowd is going to do this because this prophet, this king, this Messiah, to the Jews, this is all the same person. It's all, it's all, it's all wrapped up in one person. This person would have been a mouthpiece for the Lord. He would have been their savior and their mighty king and military leader who would fight a decisive battle against Rome. And so this crowd believes Jesus is this dude. This is the guy. And it makes sense because he just fed an army. Right? He just fed a whole crowd. That is a really good thing for a military leader to do, to be able to do. 
Not only that, but this crowd has been following Jesus because they've been hearing about all the miracles that he's been doing. So this crowd is like, listen up, not only can he feed an army, he can heal an army, and when someone dies, this guy can raise them back from the dead. So they're going to take Jesus and take the kingdom by force. And when Jesus figures this out, that's what we read, he retreats to the mountain by himself. Okay, and then in between here and where we're going to pick up, Jesus walks on water, no big deal. Okay, it's kind of a big deal. <laughs> Who, can you walk on water? No, again? All right, it's a big deal. Yeah, he walks on water. Okay, so we're gonna, anyway, we're going to pick up here in John 6, 25. All right, so when they found him, this crowd, they were searching for him. When they found him on the other side of the lake, they asked him, Rabbi, when did you get here? And Jesus answered, very truly, I tell you, you are looking for me, not because you saw, this, uh, not because you saw the signs that I performed, but because you ate the loaves and had your fill. Do not work for food that spoils, but for food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. For on him, God the Father has placed his seal of approval. And so they respond, well, what must, what must we do to do the works that God requires? And Jesus answers this, the work of God is this, to believe in the one that he has sent. And so they ask him, well, if that's you, right, what sign then will you give so that we may see it and believe you? What will you do? Our ancestors ate manna in the wilderness. As it is written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. And so it's clear that this crowd has been looking for Jesus and they've, they have some expectations for Jesus. They're looking for him to meet their expectations, like, Jesus, if you truly are this prophet, if you really are the Messiah, then prove it. What sign will you give? As if feeding the, like the 5,000, well, we now know, like probably closer to 10,000 people with only five loaves of bread and two fish, as if that wasn't enough, right? What sign will you give, Jesus? Prove it. Moses gave us manna from the desert. Okay, what will you do? And again, they're, they're comparing Jesus to Moses here, and so they specifically reference a time after God rescues and redeems Israel from Egypt, the Exodus story, okay? And this is when Israel is wandering the desert, and they're hungry. And this is in Exodus chapter 16. You can read this, okay? If you go to Exodus chapter 16, you can read it yourself. The people of Israel grumble. They grumble. Like, man, at least when we were enslaved, at least when we were enslaved and experiencing genocide, at least we had food to eat. Like, at least we weren't starving. So God hears their grumbling, and he provides this bread-like substance for them called manna. And this is what the crowd is referencing here with Jesus. So they, they ask him, they're like, what sign are you going to give? And again, we might, we might wonder to ourselves, like, were they not there a day, ago, a day ago? Like, literally, yesterday, Jesus fed over 5,000 people. Were they not there? Like, why are they asking this question? They're asking because there's this common understanding among the Jews that when the Messiah comes, the Messiah is going to reenact the manna miracle 
so that they will never go hungry again. That's why they're asking that question. This is an expectation they have for the Messiah. That like Moses, he will also give them this bread from heaven. And so here's how Jesus responds to their question. He said to them, very truly, I tell you, it was not Moses who has given you the bread from heaven, but it is my Father who gives you the true bread from heaven. So Jesus is like, hold up. Hold up, it wasn't Moses that gave you that bread. That was God. God gave you that bread. And now God is going to give you the true bread from heaven. Verse 33, for the bread of God is the bread that comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. You see, Israel's, Israel's ancestors, they ate manna and they died. This is the bread that Jesus, he says, God is going to set bread down from heaven and it will give life to the world. So they're like, sir, always give us this bread. Then Jesus declares, I am the bread. I am the bread of life, Jesus says. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry. Whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. But as I told you, even as I told you this right now, as I told you, you have, not, you have seen me and you still have not believed. You still do not believe. All those the Father gives me will come to me, and whoever comes to me, I will never drive away, he says. For I have come down from heaven not to do my will, but to do the will of him who sent me. And this is the will of him who sent me, that I shall lose none of those he has given to me, but raise them up at the last day. For my Father's will is that everyone who looks to the Son and believes in him shall have eternal life, and I will raise them up at the last day. It's like he's saying to these, to these Jews who have this expectation, like, like, I forget about the bread for a second, guys. Forget about the bread. It's not important. There's something much bigger going on here than I'm trying to tell you, and it's me. I am what you are looking for. I will provide for you. This gets me right here. How do they react? Verse 41. At this, the Jews there began to grumble. They began to grumble about him because he said, I am the bread of life that came down from heaven, they said. Is this not Jesus, the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know? How can he now say, I am the bread, I came down from heaven? How can he say that? The people are grumbling again. Messiah in broad daylight, and they are grumbling. Why? Because Jesus is not meeting their expectations. They had certain expectations for this, this Messiah and what he was supposed to do, and Jesus isn't doing those things, at least the way that they wanted him to, right? And so there's this gap between their expectations and their circumstances. There's a gap there. And in the middle, the people grumble. They grumble. What do we do in the gap between our expectations and our circumstances? Well, I don't believe we are called to be people who grumble. 
Although, to be honest, I was grumbling this week quite a bit. It's actually ironic that I'm up here teaching this, quite honestly. I don't believe we're called to be people who grumble. And I believe grumbling occurs when there is an absence of gratitude in our lives. And gratitude is different from feeling thankful because it's not a feeling, it's a choice. Amidst our circumstances, regardless of, sorry, amidst our expectations, regardless of our circumstances, we can feel thankful by choosing to be grateful. Gratitude teaches us to look for the things to feel thankful for when there is a gap between our expectations and our circumstances. And honestly, that gap can feel a lot like a desert. When things in our lives are not going at all the way that that we were expecting, and times are hard and they're difficult, and then we read a word, we read a word like this, and we just find it hard to believe. Jesus, you said you'd provide for me, but I'm not seeing it. And it's tempting to grumble when we find ourselves in a place we don't want to be in. This is what the Jewish people felt when they were in the desert, and this is what the crowd felt in that conversation with Jesus. Coincidentally, exactly where I found myself this week. And here's what Jesus is trying to help me. And, and, and us, really, okay? Jesus is trying to help us to see that, listen, guys, there, there's a much bigger story here. There's a much bigger story going on, and, I, and he wants to provide for us in the midst of our circumstances. It just might not be what we were expecting. Friends, we've all got expectations. We've all got ways in which we'd like to see things work out in our lives and in the world, and that's okay. But can I encourage you to take those and bring those to Jesus and prayerfully consider where Jesus is providing for you in the midst of the circumstances you are in. Can I encourage you guys to to look for the bread? It might not be in abundance, but it is enough. Because he is enough. Amen? I want to take you guys to one last place in the scripture before we land the story, or land the, the plane today, okay? And so if I could have my, the, the worship team, people who lead us in worship come up, that'd be great. Um, so this, uh, right before Jesus feeds the 5,000, in John six eleven, we read this. Jesus took the loaves, gave thanks, and distributed those, and distributed those to who were seated as much as they wanted. And he did the same with the fish.
This is gutsy. Can you guys think of another time when Jesus took bread, blessed God, or gave thanks, broke it, and gave it? Can you guys think of another time in the scriptures when that happened, another story? Yeah? The Passover? The Last Supper? Communion? Jesus takes bread, takes wine, this is grape juice. And he asks us to do this in remembrance of him. And so with gratitude and with thanksgiving, fun fact, the word for thanksgiving in the Greek is eucharistia, eucharistia, which is where we get the word eucharist from. If you're familiar with that, the Eucharist. So we come with gratitude and thanksgiving, and we take the bread, symbolic of Jesus' body, the bread of life, and it's his body broken for us. In first service, I had a really hard time doing this. It was funny, I know. His body broken for us. And then we take the cup. Jesus takes the cup and he blesses it. He says, this is my blood shed for you, the new covenant. And so we take the cup and it represents that blood and in thanks we receive it in the remembrance of his sacrifice for the world. You see, Jesus was so intentional with everything that he did. After he feeds the 5,000 the next day, he talks about the bread of life. I am the bread of life. Whoever takes my bread, takes my body, will never be hungry again. Drinks my blood, will never go thirsty again. Whoever comes to me, I will not drive out. I will not drive away. And he says this to people who are grumbling. It's hit home for me this week. I don't know where you're at this morning, but I hope, and it's my prayer, that you guys would take an opportunity today as we participate in communion to choose to be grateful instead of grumble. And may we with gratitude look for bread in the time when feeling thankful is difficult. May we all come before the Lord today with thankful hearts in remembrance of what he did for us. Amen? If you're serving communion, I'd love to have you come up and I'll I'll serve you guys. Because what we're going to do is I'm going to have a few people come up. And I only have one napkin up here.
those gloves. So we're going to do is we're going to take the bread. And as we come up, we are going to take a little pinch off. Yep. Take the bread. His body broken for you. Dip it in the cup. His blood shed for you. Leah. So now I'll serve the rest of everybody else. His body broken for you. His blood shed for you. Scott, his body broken for you, his blood shed for you. Mitchell, body broken for you, the blood shed for you. So this morning, we're going to have two people standing over here, two people standing on this side, and then there's also a gluten-free option in the back, as well as little individually packaged uh, communion um, sacraments there, if, if you choose, if that's your preference. And so we're going to enter into a time of reflection and worship. And I would just encourage you guys, as you take the, the bread, dip it in the cup, take the blood, that you do it in remembrance of him, in Jesus, and what he did for us with thankfulness. Amen.